Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ, the Dynasty Warzone's Rookie Rundown. We are in episode two of everyone's favorite series. And if it's not your favorite series, it's because it's brand new and you didn't listen to week one. It should be your favorite series. It's first year forecasting, guys. And this week we are going to be diving into a division that is near and dear to my heart, as well as my illustrious co-host tonight, which will remain unnamed for the time being, but the NFC North, we're going to be talking about the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, what the outlook is for all the rookies specifically. We're going to deep dive onto the actual offensive coordinator changes, the current vacated targets, the positions of interest for your fantasy teams, and just kind of diving into realistic expectations for this rookie class in the NFC North. But don't worry, I won't keep it a secret for too long. The guest tonight, everyone, it is Mr. Jerry Sinclair. That's right, the DWZ Network's very own Jerry. How are you doing, Jerry? Tell everyone uh, how it's going. Uh, listen, it's always going good. I get to talk to you. We get to BS about my own hometown division, so I'm sure I'll crap on the lines at some point, as they will certainly deserve it. Uh, you called me illustrious, which is absolutely sweet of you, undeserving, but how are you? What What is, yeah. what is new in your world? I mean, this, you know... We got, we got the second division going. We're going to knock this out. It's an ugly one for the most part, but, uh, you know, you good? Yeah, no, no complaints on my end. Um, we are just getting into this series here. It's uh, it's a fun time of year for me right now because uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the shadows for most of the regular season. I make my appearances on the other DWZ networks. I think that may be changing. Um, there's something in the works that I'm talking to Memphis about for my role coming in the oh 2022 season. Um, but it's just my time of year. I love rookies. I love diving into the college tape. Um, I've spent basically the last six months doing that. So it's going to be fun to talk about these guys and just kind of see, see what your take is on some of these rookies and some of these non, uh, blue chip rookies is how we will classify them because I don't think there is a blue chip rookie in this division that went to any of the teams And so it's just interesting because, as you kind of alluded to, there's a lot of holes on a lot of these rosters. And we'll just dive right in. The Green Bay Packers might have the largest amount of them after the basically shipping off of Devontae Adams. So you're looking at the team. They still have the stability in the head coach and in the OC being Matt LaFleur. Um, Pretty stable. They have a pretty balanced offense. And your offense is always a little bit more stable when you have Aaron Rodgers, who was re-signed to his big money baller contract. He's once again hamstringing the organization in classic, classic QB fashion in order for them to not be able to sign some other people. Um, but with Devontae Adams leaving, that wasn't the only weapon that left. They lost MVS, which you can say what you want to about MVS, but uh, we all saw a lot of very pretty deep balls thrown by Aaron Rodgers to a very tall, very fast, very lanky wide receiver in MBS. And then you also lost uh, a personal hype train guy for when he was coming out in the rookie class in 20, I guess it would be 16. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Um, I liked him coming out. He's been extremely injured, but has not shown pretty much anything that his brother has shown thus far in one year for your Detroit Lions. Um, those vacancies were filled with one free agent acquisition being the Lizard King himself, Sammy Watkins. 
and a couple of draft dart throws in a second and fourth round wide receiver option of Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs out of Nevada. So where the team sits for me, it is very much up in the air. Uh, just it feels like a classic Green Bay team, but it feels kind of like that transition period at the tail end of what we dealt with with Greg Jennings when he was at the tail end of his career. You're an NFC North fan. You know what I'm talking about. That first year when Devonte Adams came in and everyone was very concerned for the Green Bay Packers and their outlook because Aaron Rodgers coming off of an MVP season was now dealing with no weapons really to throw to. And I think it's a very similar vein. Their number one option right now is a guy I wasn't very high on coming into rookie drafts, coming into the NFL draft, and even post-draft now. I don't really like it. What's your take about the state of the Green Bay Packers in this kind of shitty division? Uh, Outside of being absolutely hysterical when I watched day one and they didn't take a wide receiver, because you just, while you were watching it, you just had to wonder what in the absolute hell Aaron Rodgers was doing. Like, I, I feel like he was saying so many four-letter words <laughs> while he was texting them. But, I mean, what is there to say? It's gross. I mean, I like anyone that was going to be in this situation because it is so barren, I think, has the opportunity to be a great asset for a dynasty roster. That said, Christian Watson got warts. I mean, you know, I, I'm probably more of a fan of him than you, but – I'm also a person that absolutely would not be stunned if he fell absolutely on his face. And then you're going to talk about Romeo Dubes and I mean, Samari Torre, which is an awesome name uh, <laughs> named after a uh, African general who overthrew French colonization late 19th century. Not that anyone gives an absolute damn about that, but I think it's cool. Um, and then you got Sammy Watkins, who's going to be absolutely a baller week one. And then, turn into a pumpkin and do what Sammy Watkins does. I mean, Dallas, it's, it's gross. Like I, I, I think Christian Watson is interesting because you're competing with Sammy Watkins and, you know, Dubs and, you know, whoever else. Um, if you can't beat them out, then you're absolutely putrid and you are going to be a waste of a pick. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But if you are at least capable to beat those guys out, you're the wide receiver one. And with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's always going to be good. And, you know, they didn't draft anybody early the entirety of Devontae Adams' career, which is not a secret. And then the moment they do, they go for somebody like Christian Watson. So clearly they're trying to replace Devontae Adams with Christian Watson. I mean, good, you know, good luck, but it's – he is being given an opportunity. It's just scary. But I think his rookie value, for the most part, I mean, sometimes you see him, you know, it gets a little too spicy and he goes a little too early. For the most part, that value's in the 110 to 112 range. And, I mean, th- there's going to be a lot of misses in that range anyway. But if he does hit, I think he's good. But what do you what do you got on the Packers? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I kind of alluded the heavy vacated target in the division overall, but they are missing 248 vacated targets. So they've lost pretty well all of their targets from the wide receiver room, maintaining all of their tight ends on the team. Um, Tanyan comes back from injury. It's kind of an under-the-radar move that savvy dynasty players have probably been targeting this offseason. I know I don't think anyone on the DWZ network has really talked about that much, but... 
If this is the first time you're hearing it, probably just sniff around Tanya and see how much you can get them for because it's probably going to be way cheaper than the production you'll get just based off of that underneath target volume. Um, the concern with Christian Watson coming in as a one-for-one replacement for Devontae Adams um, for any player coming in for that one-for-one replacement, it's not feasible. You're never going to see the same production realistically of what you saw with the mind meld of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers because it's on the same level of Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. It's the same reason why they were just unguardable. Yes, they're both elite players, but the way that they were able to manipulate defenses mentally and by knowing exactly where they needed to be is on an elite level. The other reason I don't like the one-for-one comparison is that Christian Watson compares more to MVS and his play style from what we've seen in college than anything even remotely resembling what Devontae Adams was asked to do. Do I think Christian Watson could be more electric and more consistent catching the ball deep down the field than MV West was? Absolutely. Do I think that leads to consistent fantasy production for your fantasy teams? Absolutely not. Uh, And so that's the issue that comes with Christian Watson at the price of a first round pick for me. I would, I I don't, I'm not going to, leave any of my drafts this year with Christian Watson. And I haven't thus far. Um, I would feel significantly more comfortable taking a guy like Jahan Dotson, who I'm not super high on just due to size. I've beat that horse to death multiple times this off season, but I'd feel more comfortable because I can guarantee that he's going to get six to eight targets a game at a minimum in that offense based off of the targets, based off of the injuries and everything that's going on. And yeah, they're Carson Wentz targets, but that's more reliable than a four target a game outside X wide receiver that yes, will be open. And if there's one quarterback outside of probably Justin Herbert that I'm confident can hit the deep ball every single time, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but I don't love it very much. Romeo Dubs fills the role actually a little bit better of Devontae Adams for me, and he's dirt cheap right now. You can get him in the fourth in every draft that I've seen so far. Um, Samori Torre for me is a non-factor. And then there was one UDFA at the running back position, but that running back room right now is just kind of a muddled mess. You still have a guy that I liked quite a bit last year in Kylan Hill just lurking. Every time I see the uh, <laughs> the you know OTAs or the training camp videos, I'm like, God, who is 32? Why does he look so explosive? I'm like, oh yeah, no, duh, it's Kylan Hill. That's our, uh, yeah. So it, it's just a little confusing. Uh, Tyler Goodson's there, but the team overall is interesting with the depth chart right now. I think Sammy Watkins is a value like he is every year. Um, if he can stay healthy, he's going to get consistent targets. Um, it's just staying healthy. It's one of those things where if he's healthy, odds are you should probably play him in your flex because he'll get you points. And if he's not healthy, well, guess what? You weren't playing him anyways. Um, the team's interesting. And then the forgotten guy for me that I think is going to kick probably everyone's butt when it comes to consistent target volume is Randall Cobb. Uh, they brought him in for a reason. Aaron Rodgers asked for him to come in last year, and he was consistently the slot target that was being funneled balls on third down last year in this offense prior to the injury late. So um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in the offense, not to mention that they have three pass catching running backs right now. Um, Trying to figure it out is probably going to end up ugly for you. So if there's one thing that I would advise everyone, it's don't spend up for any of the receiving options on this offense. That's, that's just my personal take. I will double down on that. And I think to sort of build on the Randall Cobb thing, Mm -hmm. I mean, Randall Cobb has been in the league for longer than most of us have played dynasty. So yeah. we're sick of hearing his name. And there was a chunk of time <laughs> where he was completely irrelevant. So he is absolutely free. So I'm with you. That is that is a good piece of advice. Yeah. And so going into the second team in the division, it's the most stable team in the division. Yes, I know that they fired their head coach and their GM simultaneously. 
Yes, I understand that it's everyone's favorite punching bag, Kirk Cousins at quarterback, but the Minnesota Vikings are the most stable and the team poised to take the division, in my personal opinion, very easily this year. Um, They bring in a puppeteer OC in Wes Phillips, who is, you know, being marionetted around basically by Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator, everyone's favorite, McShay disciple, um, whatever you want to do with that. Um, It's a heavy run scheme that he's bringing in, a heavy RPO scheme that he's bringing in, and a heavy play action scheme. What does that tell you? Kirk Cousins is going to be in the exact same type of system that he's been in. He's going to consistently get the ball to his top two targets, and they didn't really bring in anyone on the rookie side, so it's going to be guys that are there. You know what that means? I'm extremely happy for the absolutely free shares that I have of KJ Osborne off the waiver wire from last year because they brought in Jalen Naylor, a guy that you probably know more than most about. Um, but when you're looking at the team, they're stable. Everyone's there. They lost guys like Chad Beebe, D.D. Westbrook, who saw, I think, five offensive snaps last year after they traded for him. Uh, Tyler Conklin is gone. That's probably the biggest name that's gone, but segue in Irv Smith coming off of the injury who has absolutely no one behind him at the tight end position. The two draft selections outside of Jalen Naylor that I discussed were Ty Chandler, who may be their RB three or may not even make the roster at all because he's significantly less athletic than a guy like Kenny Nguangwu. And then you brought in Nick Muse, who's a sneaky tight end two option for this team who kind of slides right into that role that Tyler Conklin left. Um, this team's interesting to me. It's stable. I think all the weapons on it are holding their value. Um, I think Adam Thielen's going to be perennially disrespected for like the 12th year in a row, and people are going to be trying to throw him away for a third. It's a mistake because the top-end options on the team are going to eat, and they're going to be the t- people that honestly win you your fantasy leagues. What's your take on the Minnesota Vikings? I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to win our division every single year. And they've, they've let me down as of recently, but I'm the chargers. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I I'm with you. I, they are stable and it, not much is changing. You know, I mean, the draft didn't, you know, we talked about Jalen Naylor. He's an explosive player. He gets hurt a little bit. I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I've taken a fifth round share of him or something. I don't, I don't think he's going to, jump into any significant role he's he's okay i think the running backs are interesting as a taxi hold um obviously madison is there obviously cook is still there i mean madison's going to be out of his contract after this year so they're going to have somebody bump up Uh, and if they show anything you know they could easily be in 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 the role especially with dalvin cook who has he's going to be like 27 i think going into 2023 maybe 28 Mm -hmm. um I mean, it, your body's going to break down when you do that. So they're, they're nice dynasty sh- stashes that I like to have. I've taken a couple of them. I, I was happy to see Kirk Cousins get an extra year because I yep. have an absolute shitload of Justin Jefferson, <laughs> and I want Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson to skip down the beach holding each other's hands because it warms my heart when they do that. You know, not not much in the draft out of these guys. I mean, they were nice enough to trade my Lions so we could get Jameson Williams. But outside of that, I think you're right. I If I were a betting man, I would be betting on them to win the division. And I also like Kirk Cousins. Shocking. Yeah. Huge, huge surprise from a, a Spartan <laughs> who had season tickets his whole four years of college. Um, but honestly, he's, he's super consistent. Like, yeah, he chokes in some big games. I mean, he did that in college too. But mm-hmm. – He's, he's exactly what you want out of a fantasy QB when you have 
skill position players because you know they're going to get the ball. Like you know, Adam mm-hmm. Thielen is going to absolutely out out outdo his his value. Like it, it's silly. It's every year, like you said, and yet people are still going to fall for it. But you know, the the Vikings is an easy talk for this one because the draft didn't really change a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty stable, and that's the thing. Like Adam Thielen's one of those enigma players for me, where I'm like. I pose this question a lot when it comes to when does a expected regression continually become the trend? So like when you see a guy like Adam Thielen constantly pushing, if not exceeding double digit touchdowns, it's now running on four years in a row. Now, are we still going to constantly keep saying he's going to regress to the mean? It's not sustainable for him to be in double digit touchdowns. Are we going to finally accept that it's a trend and that he's pretty much a lock to get you nine to 12 touchdowns every single year. And if you get the actual target volume in between the twenties on top of that, you're looking at a top 12 wide receiver every year. Um, The, the, the touchdowns thing for me, people always say it's not sticky, Um, But that's where I draw my line between people that I classify as top 12 wide receivers and people that I don't classify as top 12 wide receivers. And that's one of the sticky, the sticky points for me with Chris Olave in this class, a guy that I'm talking about way too soon. The NFC South isn't coming for a couple weeks, guys. So sorry about this. But the one thing that was consistent is his ability to get open in the red zone. And if there's one thing that's going to translate to the NFL, the best out of his entire game, it's his ability to maneuver in the red zone and get you those touchdowns. And I mean, look at Mike Williams. He had 43 receptions and what was it, 14 touchdowns that year and was able to break the top 15 wide receivers on like 600 yards. Mm-hmm. Touchdowns matter. So it's one of those things where you're looking at a stable asset like Adam Thielen. I, just go and get Adam Thielen, guys. It, it, I, I mean, honestly, if I'm a contender, I'm giving you the 112 for Adam Thielen if like Jahan Dotson's on board. If right. Christian Watson on the board, I would much rather have Thielen as a competitor and as, you know, a championship team than that. But I digress. The, the Vikings were easy. Um, not a lot of rookie talk on that. Um, talk, uh, t- talk about the running backs for me, though. Just my own, yeah. my own selfish desire. Yeah. So they brought in Ty Chandler. Uh, Ty yeah. Chandler is the definition of like a jag for me. He is extremely adept at everything that he does. And he like he's a classic um, why am I blanking on this? Oh, this is going to kill me. Uh, he, he's like a Daryl Williams. All right. Like he will get you the 3.8 yards per carry where if you give him the ball three times, he'll get you a first down, but he's not busting like a 40 yard touchdown for you. He is not electric in the passing game, but he's not going to drop the ball if you pass it to him. So he is just a guy where if injury sticks and both of the running backs go down in front of him, which happened last year, to Madison and Dalvin Cook, he could see success. The thing is, he does not have high-end explosiveness. He does not have high-end receiving ability. He's not a high-end pass blocker either. So him beating out a guy like Dalvin Cook, who's elite at all three of those, Alexander Madison, who's elite at two of those, a guy like Kenny Nwangu, who might be the best athlete on the entire team, it's just not feasible for me for a Ty Chandler. So it's fine for a taxi stash. Um, Realistically, Madison probably won't be on the team next year. Realistically, you might not have Dalvin Cook on the team next year if they decide to trade him. It's one of those contracts where next year's the out. So looking at the team, Ty Chandler could have long-term value, but without injuries, there's other players I'd probably rather take the actual jumps with. Um, The only rookie I'm actually looking at 
personally is Nick Muse, actually. Um, he's not a super athletic tight end, but he's a guy, like I said, if there's one of these rookies who immediately is going to see the field either as a blocker or as potentially a receiving option to kind of spell Irv Smith, it's Nick Muse just because there's no one else on the team. Uh, I could not tell you the team that the two tight ends behind Irv Smith Jr. were on last year. It may have been Minnesota. It may not have been Minnesota. I have absolutely no idea. So that's just one of those things where that's like the only name when I was looking through the actual depth chart, the list right now that I was like, oh, yeah, that might might not be a bad ad. Um, And like I said, uh, people who didn't have K.J. Osborne on their roster last year don't know how consistent he was when one of the two wide receivers went down. Uh, when either Thielen or Jefferson was out, he was averaging you 16 points per game as a wide receiver three. And so it's just one of those things where he's the deep target. He's the guy that kind of took away that deep target threshold from Justin Jefferson that made so many people concerned last year why we weren't seeing those massively long touchdowns to Jefferson. And he's a guy that's dirt cheap. Um, again, not a ton of rookie talk, unfortunately, but uh, that's just kind of where we're at with the Vikings. They did the smart thing and they kept their good players and focused on defense, which was absolutely abysmal last year. They also did take uh, for IDP love Lewis scene, who was my favorite safety in the class. The dude is like a freight train. Uh, he hits people so freaking hard and he came out of Georgia. Um, I hated the value that they used to trade back to 32. Cause it was an abysmal trade. Like literally just get one first, like just pull a giants move, make a shitty trade, but like slightly less tr- shitty, but no, you just, you got a second and a third to move back 20 spots. That's insanity. Uh, but yeah, that's basically where the Vikings are at. Um, the team I could rant on forever, but that I will be short and sweet on because I would like to give other people their opinion on the Chicago Bears because it's always fun. Uh, the Chicago Bears, they went 6-11 and 11 last year, uh, classic QB carousel, fired everyone imaginable, including players, um, pissed off, Dick Dick Nick, um, kicked him out of town kind of lacklusterly. Um, he's now the backup in Indianapolis. He's a pretty good super flex stash, realistically, in Indy. Um but they have Luke Getzey coming in, um, never had coaching experience as an offensive coordinator. Everyone raves about him. Um, the one interesting note that I paid attention to is that when Devontae Adams has been interviewed about his success and asked the one person that has had the most impact on his success as a player in the NFL, he did not name any of the players. He did not name his quarterback. He named Luke Getzey who was his wide receivers coach coming in to the Green Bay Packers. He equates everything from his transition from year one to year two to Luke Getze. Um, So I'm optimistic from that aspect. What I'm not optimistic is the vacated 215 targets that the team has when they brought in the likes of Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp, Equinemius St. Brown, and Bayless Jones Jr. as their top-end wide receiver when Khalil Shakir was still on the board. Don't make me go down the hole, Jerry. Where are you at with the Chicago Bears? <laughs> it's good. Listen, uh, Devontae Adams better be right about Luke Getze because he's <laughs> going to need to make these wide receivers a whole hell of a lot better uh, if they're going to matter to our team. This is, a, I mean, this is going to be an easy show for us, right? Because yeah. two of the teams just sat on their hands for the most part, uh, and the Bears are one of them. You know, you think when you you trade up for Justin Fields and, you know, he's this polarizing, dynamic sort of prospect that you would help him and they just didn't want to do that. I mean, it's 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 gross to say the least. I mean, I I think the Bears, 
I think they're probably going to be about similar to what they did. I think you're not going to want to watch them play, but I think they'll win probably more games than I think they should because I think they're like I think they're they're the worst team in this division. But yeah. I think they'll win a few more games than that, just because I think Justin Fields is going to grow, and maybe that's just me being hopeful, wishful, right? Like because I was excited about him to come in. <laughs> but what what's your take on Velas Jones? Like like. Age jokes aside, like like yeah. let's say he jumps in. Does he have a shot to be one of the guys that's here? And can he do it with Justin Fields and what he's good at? Yeah, um, I do not think that he fits the role of what Justin Fields does well. And that would be my biggest concern for Bayless Jones. Um, as a prospect, um, for anyone who's been following along, uh, I have the receipts. Feel free to jump back to my ranking episode. Um, Bayless was in a very small elite athleticism tier that I had mid to late teens, early twenties in my wide receiver rankings. I had him with Trey Turner and Amika Mezzi out of NC state. Uh, they were three players that I did not believe were going to get the draft capital, but had athleticism that was on par or exceeding pretty much every, every wide receiver in the class. Uh, Bayless Jones, when you watch him on the field, he is a electric, he is a bigger bodied slot wide receiver he's a big bodied slot runs a four three um people like to throw out oh can he be Debo no he can't be Debo guys that's not what you're looking at but when I look at what he does and what he can do efficiently for a team I don't know why he can't be Amon Ross St. Brown He's more explosive than Amon Ross St. Brown. He separates at the same level as Amon Ross St. Brown. So for a team that lost over 200 targets, who's yearning for a wide receiver three, could he fill in that role? Absolutely. Could he bust those long touchdowns that we all drool over because one play gets you 14 points? Absolutely. Does he get the consistent targets? That's where I'm concerned. Justin Fields has not shown a propensity to throw over the middle specifically. Um, a lot of Cole Komet's routes last year were out routes and options. And yes, that sounds like a normal tight end, but that's pretty much the only time he was targeted. Um, that's the reason his yards after catch were so terrible is because it's a lot harder to get separation on an out route than a slant when you're continuing your movement upfield. Um, so looking at the team as a whole, I like the player. I like the prospect. He got the draft capital, so he moved up my ranks. But the thing with Velas is it does not matter the opportunity cost. He is not getting hyped even nearly as much as Amon Ross St. Brown was last year for the Lions. And in my opinion, Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Jared Goff when it comes to pure tools and talent aspect. There's just as big of a hole in the offense with only really a tight end option and a deep threat in Darnell Mooney on the team lining up exactly how the Lions were last year, and he got better draft capital than Amon Ross St. Brown got last year. Is he old? Absolutely. Do I like the pick over getting a guy like Khalil Shakir, who was still on the board? Absolutely not. Would I have loved Jalen Tolbert, who was also still on the board? Absolutely. But we're here. We're dealt the cards that we are dealt, unfortunately, in this life of fantasy football, and so I'm making the best out of it. Um, I... I have been taking notes specifically in my first four rookie drafts of where Valus Jones has gone. I have taken him in one of them. He has not gone before the 406 in any of the rookie drafts that I've been in so far. 
So if you're telling me I'm getting realistically the wide receiver two option on a Justin Fields led offense, regardless of the player profile, regardless of anything like that, it's a target funnel game. That's what we look for the most. That's criminal. And so I, I just don't really understand why he's going that late. And I don't think it's going to correct because the narrative's just going to get worse as he continues to get older. And so he's a player that I'm targeting. Uh, you can get him pretty cheap. I traded in at the 410 to get him in one of my drafts because I was like, all right, it, this is absurd. He's not going undrafted in this draft. So that's where I'm at with Bayless Jones. Um, the rest of the picks that they had, it was Tristan Ebner at running back who I – if they had drafted Abram Smith, we all know I would have been happy, but trusted Ebner, not so much. Uh, he got relegated. He was on the team as a true running back the entirety of his career. Uh, but I have a feeling they brought him in more for his special teams ability um, to be the true punt returner and kickoff returner with them both having to cut Tariq Cohen, who had that Achilles rupture. You got to feel for the guy, just yeah. terrible with how electric he could have been. And then also losing Jakeem Grant, who ranked number one in the NFL last year in return average yards on punts and on touchdowns, or not touchdowns, and on kick returns. So you're losing arguably the best special teams player in, from a return aspect in the league last year. You have to fill the void somehow, and I think that's the only reason that Ebner's on the team. But that's where I'm at from my level-headed approach of realistic expectations for them. Uh, probably if you're looking at a guy like Valus Jones, you're probably looking – He's slightly less heavy, but you're probably looking at a very similar rookie year to what we saw from LaVisca Chenault with the Jacks is where I think of when I'm looking at Bayless Jones and what he can do. So, And, I, I mean, I think that's, you know, LaVisca Chenault was 109, 110 in rookie drafts, yeah. and Bayless Jones is what you said yeah. in the fourth round, which is it's, – that's stupid. I mean, draft capital alone would suggest that he shouldn't go – you know, he should go exponentially sooner than that. But I think, I think you're right. I think it's just the narrative, right? He's, he's old. It was funny to make fun of that. He's old. And now it's an Mm -hmm. echo chamber. That's just regurgitating that he's old. So he just, he just plummets and, you know, people want to make mistakes. You you, want to try and make value in every single situation of this game, no matter how, how expensive or how cheap they are. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think he's I think it's a good it's a good thing because if Justin Fields does grow right, he's obviously going to get the opportunity, and I, I think a lot of people like uh, Justin Fields. So let's uh, let's get let's get to the good <laughs> the yeah the, the yeah, creme, yeah. De la creme of the off season. Yeah, but I, I mean true. honestly, like when it comes to a team that made the most like skill position acquisitions in the team that actually mattered. You're looking at the Detroit lions who probably got the shaft worse than anyone when it came to one score games last year. Um, I mean, I literally watched my bears win a game. I did not want them to win against the Detroit lions on a heartbreaker. So you're just sitting here and I'm just like, it's bad. Both of us, I feel like are the same way. We're like, stop winning games, stop winning games, please just lose last year. And it wasn't happening for me, but it was happening for you. Um, You're another team where you're looking at it with a new offensive system right now coming in. You had Ben Johnson, who is now your offensive coordinator. He was your tight ends coach last year. Um, That seems okay to me. I don't know. Maybe some more physicality, knee biting coming on. Um, I'm guessing it's just going to be Dan Campbell doing his thing again. Yeah. The the thing is, it's working. Uh, Anyone who actually watched a Lions game last year was like, this team's good. 
They have absolutely no weapons, and everyone on this team is playing their freaking heart out for this head coach. And that is the type of situation that you want. Uh, I don't think there's a single head coach in the division right now that has their team fully behind them like Dan Campbell does. And so you look at the team, Jared Goff at quarterback, say what you will, consistent passer, going to be a rhythm system guy, kind of like the Alex Smith without the mobility, where if it's there and he has the supporting cast, he can do it. This year, he may have the supporting cast. Is there a large amount of vacated targets? No, because they maintained a lot of people. There's only 37 vacated targets. But guess what? They upgraded a lot, and a lot of those people will be gone by the time that the season starts. Um, They lost Cardell Hodges, um, a Debbie guy that people have been hoping to be a wide receiver tight end kind of convert for a very long time. Uh, They added DJ Chark in a move that broke my heart as a Bears fan, looking for a guy that would fit Justin Fields' throwing system perfectly. I was screaming for DJ Chark. I was screaming for Will Fuller. Maybe one of them will still happen. I don't know. We'll see. But then you look at the draft selections. This is where things got pretty spicy with the trade-up to acquire Jameson Williams. Say what you will about him being injured, the electricity that he brings to the team as a deep option, being able to learn from a guy who plays extremely similar to him in DJ Chark. It was probably the best fit for him short of going to like Miami to learn behind a guy like Tyreek. You're you're just, you're learning how to use your explosiveness in the correct way. If you're going to be a deep target and people can say what they want about Jared Goff. But for me, long-term, probably not the quarterback option for you. They did the smart thing in not addressing the quarterback this year because of how juicy and salivating next year's class is. Don't even get me started on Grayson McCall. You want a guy that I want you guys to take that would hurt my feelings? Grayson McCall. Coastal Carolina, go look at some highlights if you don't know who it is. Um, the team setup, the depth chart, as opposed to last year, looks nice. You have DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams. Three skill sets that are unique, all explosive, and all can do their part in the offense. You have DeAndre Swift, hopefully completely healed from the injury. Jamal Williams, the backup that does more, like kind of an A-plus backup. He can be that rotational guy when you need him to Jamar Jefferson, who I was really hoping to get more touches last year, but was held at bay by Jamal Williams. And then TJ Hawkinson. Um, They have no one on the tight end depth chart outside of similar situation to what the Minnesota Vikings did in bringing in James Mitchell out of Virginia. Um, If he had not torn his ACL at the beginning of the season, he would be talked about probably in that same range as guys like Jeremy Rucker, realistically. Um, he was the better tight end on Virginia for the length of his career prior to the injury that gave Jelani Woods his opportunity. Um, very good pickup for you. He plays in a similar vein to TJ Hawkinson. So I think realistically, it's another late target that I would be targeting on the offense. Um, but where are you at with your Lions? I love what they did personally. So I'm excited to what you think about the offense, the transition, and what you're looking at year two underneath Dan Campbell. I was, I was honestly... I am, you know, the Lions have two factions of our fandom. We have the the slappy, right? The the we're always going to win the division, even though they've never given you anything. And then the eternal pessimist, and that is me. Like I, it, when everybody's happy about them, I I want to laugh in their face because every time the Lions have ever given you hope, you know, twenty eleven, we you know, we go to the playoffs, and you know. Schwartz has us, you know, kicking ass, taking names next year, fall on our face. And then we made the playoffs again, 2014, I think it was. We lose to Dallas, fall on our face the next year. And and it's just over and over throughout my entire life, even before the Stafford era. 
I gotta be honest. I am drinking the Kool-Aid, and it is going down so smooth right now. And, and, I, and like, it's not like I think we're going to win the division or we're going to be awesome. I just, it's for the first time in my 34 years of life on this planet that the Detroit Lions have a plan and it's coming to fruition in the way in which they want it to. It, it, for my whole life, it seems like they've just been grabbing things and just throwing it on the bucket and just hoping it tasted good at the end. And it just hasn't. As far as James, I, when they traded up, I was 100% certain it was going to be Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, and I was going to hate my life. Like, I, I, I just, I would have not loved it. It was Jameson. I was thrilled. I loved the DJ Chark signing. That was the guy that I thought they were going to do. In the most Lions move, I thought they were going to overpay Allen Robinson, and we were mm-hmm. going to pay too much for a wide receiver that was never going to help us win. It was going to be stupid, and they didn't. I, I like the direction of the Lions. I think Jamison Williams has a real opportunity to succeed. The thing is, is I think Amon Ra is pretty good. And, and the, the relationship that he has with Jared Goff, you, you talked on a cerebral level with with like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. The things Amon Ra did the last, whatever it was, seven or eight games last year, stupid. Like just un, like Tyler Higby on steroids from a couple years ago when he just went absolutely effing bananas. <laughs> so, I, like, I don't think he's going to fall off the face of the earth, even though I think James Williams is better. Um, I, I think he has a very high ceiling, and I think it's it's going to be okay. And I'm glad that Jared Goff is still the guy for this year. Uh, I think he will probably get an extra year. I think they will draft somebody, hopefully. Listen, that's that's my plan. You got you got two firsts, plus maybe your next year's first. Try and move up, get one of the spicy guys. Like, let, let me let, my nipples will be so hard, I'll be so excited. <laughs> I, I mean, really, I, I need DeAndre Swift to stay healthy, though. Yeah, like, it, 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 my man, you're you're awesome and you're great, and I love Jamal Williams. He's he's honestly one of the heartbeats of this team. He's one of he's a dude that loves Detroit, and if there's something about Detroit fans, we love guys that love Detroit like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to see more Jefferson too. He had the 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 ex- super explosive run, and then it was like, and that's all we're gonna see. <laughs> Go f yourself, guys. Yeah, uh, I'm. I, I'm excited. I think we'll probably suck. I mean, we'll probably win six, seven games, which is, you know, much better than it has been. Um, but that was the thing about Jared Goff, right? Like, it's fun to make fun of him because he's Jared Goff, and I get it. He was not bad last year. And when he was bad, which there was a few times when he was absolutely putrid, I mean, my man was injured. And, yeah. and then at the end of the season when he came back and he was healthy, him and Amon Ra were looking good, and they were cooking. You know, there was yeah. multiple games that were close, like you mentioned with the Bears game. You know, Justin Tucker decided to break the NFL record to beat us. <laughs> I mean, that was just awesome. Loved that. Uh-huh. Didn't get upset at all. I mean, I like him. I think it's I think it's every one of the wide receivers has some value. They're also a little scary because there is so many sort of in that range. And unless one of them sort of explodes, and while I don't think it's gonna be DJ Chark, I do sort of like DJ Chark. And he's mm. easily the cheapest of the bunch, so he's probably the guy you should go and get. But what's what's your take? Where, where are yeah. You? yeah, so I mean, it's an easy comparison when it comes to when it just comes to looking at Jared Goff and his career, um, just to see some extreme parallels to what we saw in 2018 from the Rams' offense with what you're getting with the 2022 Detroit Lions. You have Jared Goff at the helm with three wide receiver options of 
some big name, some not so big name, but it parallels pretty well to what the Rams had in Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods. And you're looking at three guys that can fill very similar roles for the team in Amon Ra filling the Robert Woods role. You have Sammy Watkins realistically probably looking like what you would get from a DJ Chark. And then you're hoping that you can have a healthy electric deep threat like they had in Brandon Cooks. They also have a tight end coming back. Um, I I like Amon Ra and he proved that he has an ability to be an NFL wide receiver. I do not think that the insane bonkers double-digit targets is even remotely in the wheelhouse, and I think people are really underselling that aspect in this offseason period when you're looking at him from a value standpoint. Um, They had no other receiving options. They were still throwing – Danny Amendola was on the team last year, right? Yeah, yes, he was. Yeah, they were throwing to Danny Amendola, Khalif Raymond, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And those were your top three wide receivers. And so they had no TJ Hawkinson. I just talked about how there's no one on the depth chart at tight end behind TJ Hawkinson. So when he went at down point, Swift like, and Jamal Williams were out too. Yeah. So you had Swift Hawkinson Williams all down. You're underneath targets. And what does that do to your slot wide receiver raises everything up rising tides, right? So when I'm looking at the overall value I'm probably not paying for anyone at their current value other than DJ Chark, just because he is going to have that stigma of like, well, they brought in Jamison Williams to replace you. But in all reality, he's probably going to see a large amount of the targets this one year because they pretty much fully guaranteed over $10 million to him. So the team is very intriguing. I'm very optimistic for them. Uh, They're a team that is sneaky, easy schedule-wise, just in a similar vein. I have the same pessimistic belief that you have with your team with the Bears. I still think we're probably going to win like six games again. But when you look at strength of schedule based off of last year and based off of the moves that have happened, you had the easiest – they're both in the top five for easiest strength of schedule in the NFL going next year. That's not taking into account the fact that the Packers have lost all luster shine and now they're kind of just a, a a glimmering turd in the division with Aaron Rodgers, just the sparkle of powdered fairy dust on it. So you're looking at the team, and realistically, you guys could push for second in the division, and it really wouldn't shock me with how your defense plays. If Jeff Akuda could just stay healthy, I'd love to see what your DB friggin' team would look right. like. But the biggest hole for me is still at linebacker. I don't really know what's going on with your linebacking core. I expected an early pick at linebacker. We didn't really get that. Um, so looking at the team, as long as they continue to play with the same physicality and they get better luck on the injury front, there's no reason why they can't beat every team in the division, split at least every series, and realistically beat the Bears in both of them, which hasn't happened in a couple of years, and that's kind of why you guys have been at the bottom. It's just if there's one team that the Bears have been able to beat, it's been the Lions for some reason. Even if we get our teeth kicked in by the Jacks when we play them. But, yeah, I'm optimistic for Detroit. I'm excited for you guys. I'm glad someone in the basement of a division is being lifted up finally because I feel like once you get at the bottom, it's very hard to get out, which is terrifying for me as a concept. But I like you guys. You're fun. You're fun to root for. It's fun to poke fun at the Detroit Lions, but I don't think that's going to be the case in a couple of years. Um, Like I said, Grayson Call would fit 
the mentality and that grit. He's got a lot of like Joe Burrow in him uh, with Coastal Carolina. He's got a firecracker of an arm and the dude is mobile, like extremely mobile, like classic sneaky white guy speed trope that people like to throw around. But the dude is good. Uh, and he's got the gunslinger mentality. So that's why when I see him, I see a lot of Burrow in him. Um, he just has to show that he can do it again this year because they have a little bit of a harder schedule. But that's who I would peg for you guys if he does have a good career, uh, good last season of his career, basically. Um, young, electric, would be fun for the Lions next year. But, uh, yeah, I- I'm excited for you guys in 2022. I'm, I'm happy that the Packers realistically might be third in the division. God, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> happened in my life. Like, But I, I would yeah. be so excited for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for him. Also a little terrified to have any of them in Dynasty. Definitely <laughs> terrified to have any of them in redraft yeah. outside of Swift, probably. I mean, I, I, I mean, while we're talking about Hawk, bro, mm-hmm. you got to stay on the field too, man. Like, and, yeah. and I, I, I need to see the step because we were talking, I mean, Hawkinson was tight end three, right? Like it, when he was coming out, like there, there was a chance, especially after his first week, first game. Mm-hmm. You know, guy blows up for over 100 yards, and I thought we had George Kittle, and it was going to be the most wonderful time. Just haven't seen it. So I, I, I would – that's that's one guy that I would love to see actually get some of this. And yeah. I am I am worried that that's not going to be the case because of the other options that are there. So he's probably the guy that I will avoid in redraft for the most part and probably mm-hmm. look to try and move on from in a lot of uh, dynasty leagues. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's an easy parallel and I hate just going to like this comparison, but like, I mean, it's very similar situation to the Higby situation. Like Higby had his blow up year when everyone was injured, when there wasn't a lot of options. He has sprinkled games when he's a red zone target. But if you look at Hawkinson's career output, it's been primarily pumped up by multi-touchdown games. Those big gangbuster games are red zone games. And so, Yes, it's a tight end. I know that. Trust me. I talk about tight ends a lot, but like, it's the same thing. I, I moved off of my one share of Hawkinson this offseason just because of my concern. I knew that you guys were going to be bringing in another wide receiver, and that was concerning for me at the current value of having Jared Goff as the core quarterback. If you guys had someone a little bit higher up in scale, I don't think I would have been as concerned, but the ability to facilitate the options to everyone in the offense is a lot less likely. And that just means that the dynasty value is going to start to plummet if people see that. And so, yeah, uh, Hawkins is probably a smart avoid and redraft and a smart move off this year. Um, it's, it's just interesting. I, I don't, you just love talking about the fact that the Detroit off uh, the Detroit offense has so many options that some might be phased out. Isn't it's that funny, wild? It's funny because <laughs> last, last year it was so bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> like before, Amon Ra showed up and we were talking about, you know, Quintus Cephas and, mm-hmm. you know, Hodge and everybody else. Oh, my God. It was, <laughs> it was brutal. But it, it, it's fun. I mean, that that's the thing about this game, though. It just – it can flip on a dime. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing with the division. I think, like, if there's a division in the NFL outside of probably the AFC South that has the most turbulent options this year, um, it's probably the NFC North. There is just a lot that can happen. Um me and Jerry were talking about for all you listeners a little bit before the show of pretty much every offensive coordinator in the league pretty much got fired after this year outside of like four. And those four are basically the head coach slash offensive gurus for the team. Um, A lot of new systems coming in. So paying attention to that is what I'm doing a lot during this exercise. Um, Just last week, I noticed, 
I mean, the New England Patriots are just – they don't have an offensive coordinator right now. I don't know if you know that or not, Jerry, but they, they literally do not have an offensive coordinator right now. And there's talks of Bill Belichick, who has never been an offensive coordinator, being the offensive coordinator for the team. And I'm like, oh, yeah, give me Mac Jones with Bill Belichick as your offensive coordinator. Tell me how that goes. And so there's just a lot of teams with question marks and a lot of stability – both in rookie offensive players and a lot of the IDP prospects where I'm going to be taking note of that a lot more on the offensive side. I have a tendency to kind of push that to the back burner just because I've been playing on the offensive side more often. But like what I've learned over the last four years since I've started IDP is that the coordinators matter a lot for success. And so like for players, like this is the example I'm using this offseason is um, linebacker Kazir White had done absolutely nothing for the Los Angeles Chargers from an IEP standpoint, a consistency standpoint. He was a rotational linebacker in a similar vein to what they've had to do with Kenneth Murray, just because they don't know how to use these athletic players. Um, Insert Staley as the head coach and defensive guru. Kazir White was a top 10 linebacker for the Chargers last year. He then gets shipped off by the team immediately. They wouldn't re-sign him. Has to sign a $5 million contract with the Eagles to now realistically be the third linebacker on the team after they bring in Nicobe Dean. I sold him immediately after the season when they didn't tender him at the linebacker position. And that's what I'm probably going to start to do with offensive players as well, is if you had a boom year underneath a good coordinator and are now moving to another team, I need to pay more attention to that. Uh, We do it with the older players transitioning team when they finally hit free agency. Um, But a lot of those like one year prove it guys, even that we're seeing on those one year prove it contracts that blow up and get those big money contracts. Those are the guys I'm probably avoiding going forward. Um, I, I mean, Kenny Galladay is a pretty good example of that too. Just seeing what happened last year. Could that change with Dable? Maybe. Um, But yeah, it's just a philosophy that I'm adopting with a lot of these rookies. So I'm very inclined to see how the, some of these players do on their new teams with new coordinators and just kind of how this offensive system shapes up across the NFL in general with all of these changes. Um, that's just kind of my overarching take on this offseason, And that's the most intriguing part outside of the rookies in their landing spots for me. Uh, I wrote it down. If that's yeah. anything for you. Yeah. yeah it's fun, dude. It's uh, you learn so- like that's the best part about this game. I learned something new like every week, but like big philosophical, uh, philosophical changes for me happen yearly like and you got to be fluid you have to move Memphis always says it you got to listen to the NFL and I mean that's it's true you have to listen to trends and the trend that I'm starting to pay more and more attention to when it comes to fantasy is the offensive coordinators and the defensive coordinators and so that's my one nugget of advice outside of the rookies uh, that me and Jerry have been talking to but we uh we got in got everything in the division nice and short and sweet in 50 minutes i'm starting to cut down from the hour and 10 that i was on the first episode well, but i mean you- i mean in, in in our defense this division made it a little easier on us to go short too yeah exactly last week it was the miami dolphins just kind of not a lot to talk about from a rookie concept with me and andrew and this week we had like three teams like that. So uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see how this division is going to shape up. It was fun having you, Jerry. You want to plug anything, tell anybody about anything that's going on with your life and any other move going on, anything that's going on with uh, you in Memphis here on the DWZ network. No, I mean, uh, I had to do my own show without Memphis for the first time in the four years. Uh, I know I was a little nervous, which is weird because I've done the damn show every, almost every week for four years, but it was the first time I ever really had to, had to guide the ship. 
Yeah, it's different. It is, um, you know, because all I have to do is just sit here and just talk whenever mm-hmm. we do the show. Um, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Iowa. Not sure exactly when, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, though. So terrified about that. But I, I've always got Dynasty in my back pocket to just mm-hmm. it's always the the calming sense that I can always if I'm ever I ever got a little too much going on. I look at a roster and I go, you know what? <laughs> Let me send some offers, but no, I got nothing to plug. You know, I mean, I I just like talking football. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the thing about I, not just football, not just dynasty, but just like this community. You just get to talk and you get to learn things. That's why every single time I do this, I have a pen and I have a notepad of paper because everybody's going to teach me something, and I am not stubborn enough to ignore it. And I am absolutely going to exploit it every single time I get the opportunity. Yeah, and I, yeah, that I mean, that's honestly how you brought home the World War Three League trophy last year is by <laughs> you know ebbing when everyone else was flowing, zigging when everyone was zagging. But yeah, no, uh, it's exciting. Uh, the only thing I got going on the docket right now is this series. Uh, I'm very pumped going to the lake this weekend. Uh, we chatted about that. You're probably doing something yeah. similar Memorial Day. I hope everyone has a great time with that. Um, got into a Slightly heated debate in the Patreon a couple days ago about some English Premier League football and some very, uh, very adamant fans around the DWZ community. I, in the I, Patreon I, I lurked it, but I'm not a soccer <laughs> guy, so I, I just read it for the entertainment. Yeah, I was like, I'm not trying to step on any toes, guys. This is a useless argument because Liverpool's obviously the best team, but Liverpool is also in the UCL championship game this Saturday. So everyone make sure to wear red on Saturday. Um, That's the only thing that I can say. Have a wonderful weekend at the lake. Um, As always, I am your host Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at salad galore, Mr. Jerry Sinclair. You can find him on Twitter at Jerry sin DWZ. If I got that correct, I hope. Uh, Yeah. We're just here to give you some fantasy football advice. This has been a fun NFC North edition of first year forecasting and make sure to stay tuned to all the lovely DWZ network has to provide you over the next couple weeks and the next couple months before the 2022 season. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. If we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.